everyone, and welcome to the Scarbox Guitar Builder podcast. Uh, this is Adam Harrison from Birdwood Guitars uh, with two superheroes. Quite frankly, uh, we got um, we got Philip Cohen, otherwise known as Pip, and we got Shane Soul from uh, down in Yak and Dandaway. How are you, mate? Good, man. Good. How are you doing, Shane? It's good to see you again, Pip. Yeah, how are you, mate? I haven't been over there to see you yet, Harry. Nah, well, look, the weather's just starting to warm up, so we can we can have a catch-up and uh, talk all about your trip to the States, mate. Yeah, I've got a uh, DVD here for you, actually, from uh, Watermelon Slim as a gift. So I'll have to get that to you. Oh, that, that'll be brilliant. I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm listening in on a on a private convo at the moment. <laughs> well, Come on, just give us a minute, will you? Yeah. Some coffee there. Sweet man, that'd be that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Uh, very very much look forward to seeing seeing that. Uh, you're now here. The, the man of the moment, really. Now we've Shane, we've spoken before on the podcast, um, probably a couple of months ago now, and um, and you've got the uh, Cigar Box Guitar Emporium. Is it the? Uh, it's, what's the name of your shop down in Yakindanda there, mate? Willis Blues and Roots Store, Cigar Box Guitar Emporium. That's it. That's it. And um, I've got to say, I, uh, I I saw a Facebook message from you. You've you've been getting a little bit of press down there, mate, with the with the local with the uh, Melbourne newspapers. Is that right? Yeah, uh, it's great. The Age newspapers come on board and and listed us in the top six things to do in town because there is a lot of other. Uh, Hot rod shows, bike festivals, etc. But um, what we do with the Cigar Box Guitar Festival is just uh, in a different league of its own. As people tell you, it's um, a pretty spectacular event, and we're just sort of getting ready for this year's one on November the 25th. And uh, we've expanded it this year to have two workshops: one from Nigel McTrusty and uh, another one on Sunday morning with Steve Plater. So uh, it's going to be an exciting event this year. It's going to go off, mate. Now you've got some. You got live music there as well. Is, is uh, Nigel going to be playing? Yeah. Look, Friday night we're open to uh, people jamming in the bar and just enjoying, you know, playing your instrument in a bar with like-minded uh, performers. Saturday morning, I'm looking at having a builders market around ten o'clock in the beer garden. 11 o'clock, an open mic for anyone like uh, yourself, Adam, you know, that can get up and do a couple of songs. Um, then at uh, 2.30, we're going to have the featured acts, which is Steve Plater will be doing a little solo section for us, then Stringy Bark McDowell, uh, Nigel McTrusty, and then uh, the infamous Salty Dog, who have been uh, touring Australia for nearly 25 years playing cigar box guitars and homemade basses um both stringy bark and um steve plater predate um c6 steve and justin johnson by 20 odd years yeah mate. yeah uh, they're absolute in the cigar box industry in this country yeah well see you know that's the interesting thing i think because of um because of the you know the the rise in facebook and the rise in youtube and and skype and all that sort of all that sort of stuff um I think especially in Australia here, I suppose people kind of think that, you know, the cigar box guitar, if you want to use the term explosion, um, or, you know, especially that peak in interest that's, that's been happening over the last few years, I think a lot of people think it's a very new thing. And I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to say that I, I think I, I believed it was a, a relatively new thing in Australia for us too. But after, after meeting with you and chatting with you, it truly seems that um, we've actually got a, 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 a quite a big history of um, you know of, of homemade instruments, cigar box guitars, biscuit tin guitars, things like that type of thing, and it's uh, it's a really an, an eye opening um, thing to actually realise that that in some ways it's it's become it's it's kind of become a uh i don't know what's the, what's the term i'm looking for it's kind of become a um a little bit of a cult thing isn't it it's a, there's there's definitely a, a a stronger following than i could ever have realized in australia 
it's always been a cult thing, Adam, but um, you're right, it's absolutely snowballing at the moment. And uh, I was thinking about this event last night and real, realistically, when you put Steve Plater and Stringy Bark McDowell up on stage and uh, me up on stage with them, you've got three stalwarts of the Australian cigar box guitar industry from, you know, like 25 years ago. There was only six of us in the country building then and uh, we've been just so excited to see the growth in the instruments and I also find it really interesting that in Australia here our tradition our blues act our, our national touring blues acts Salty Dog and um, Muddy Puddles uh, were embraced by all the blues performers and and the um, listeners as well uh, in America, there seems to be a big division between uh, touring blues artists and cigar box players. It's not one of the same. You know what I mean? We're no, so very much recognise the instrument as the uh, what blues was written and created on, mm. and therefore very part of blues history. Where in America, there seems to be that division. That's inter- it's an interesting um, thing. I mean, it's not something that that I would necessarily have 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 kind of thought about it's um and by all means you know guys if because uh, you know a, a large percentage of our uh, of our listenership actually is is from the state so i'd love to get some um, some feedback on the uh, on the group guys or through the messages here um if any you know if you've ever got any comments or anything like that don't hesitate to to give us a bell but it's an interesting thought that does from a builder's point of view um and sorry, Pip, I, I apologise, mate. You kind of poor, poor Pip sitting in the background there while Shane and I are yakking on. But um, you know, from a from a builder's point of view, um, I, I do find that, that not so much in Australia. It's funny, you know. It's it's quite an interesting thing where if I'm talking to people on you know talking to people on social media and stuff like that in Australia, and I say, oh, and they're guitar builders, they're actually very open to the fact that 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 ninety percent or eighty percent of what I build is actually cigar box guitars. And for them, it's a relatively interesting thing. And, and the legitimacy of the instrument has, I don't think it's ever really, uh, barring one, one, uh, one negative altercation I had with a fellow uh, a few years ago, um, I, I'd say the, the majority of, of comments that I get from builders, actually electric guitar builders and acoustic guitar builders in Australia is, oh, that's great. It's treated, I think, in Australia as, as, as a legitimate instrument in, in many ways. But it's, it's an interesting thought that maybe, you know, in, in a bigger area or a bigger market like, like the US or, or other bigger markets around the world, that people kind of, there seems to be a, a, a disrespect towards Roots Instruments where, you know, they're not, you know, and, and I'm doing the, I'm doing the um, you know, the, uh, the quotation marks in the air. They're not real instruments, you know, that, that kind of thing. But what you're talking about is is well, the fact that these instruments go predate, you know, they predate electric guitars, and you know, and that's. Hmm. So, uh, you know, where where I'm looking at at the moment uh, in America, and uh, I've studied blues music all my life, and what I'm watching is uh, Fiona Boys, um, you know, being nominated the American Blues Music Awards two years in a row. Uh, on my four-string number plate guitar. And they all think she's absolutely amazing, but at the same hand, they're not connecting with the uh, cigar box guitar movement that is across the States, mm. you know? Uh, here's a, an Aussie chick that's blowing them away playing their own traditional instrument that they're ignoring. Oh, she's, she's an she's an amazing lady, lady. That's for that's for sure. I mean, it's um, yeah, and and the thought being that it's a four string guitar, which should in a way bring people's minds to the thought that oh, this is a, this is a bit of a different instrument. You know, you do see a lot of um, six string electric cigar box guitars, and you know when I kind of look at them, I I suppose I look at them as as a variation on a six string instrument. You know, because. I don't know, it's just the way I do. I've built a couple of them. Um, I've built a couple of six-string electric guitars, and I, I, don't, I don't have the same connection with them as I would a three- or a four-string instrument, whereas I, I figure in a way, if I'm going to build an electric guitar, I might as well build an electric guitar. You know what I mean? It's, and that's my mentality. That's no, that's not, I'm not talking for anyone else. That's, that's just, the way, you know, just the way I look at it. Hey, hey, hey Alice, can I just butt in for a sec? 
tell me, what are you doing with, with the three and the four? What do you do with all those extra strings anyway? <laughs> yeah, everyone knows you only need one. Um, one string, guys. And I, I'm hanging to hear you play again, my friend. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know what your answer is, mate. Well, I actually love Deadly Bugs. I just um, enjoy myself on the three stringers. I don't like getting too much more technical than that. Well, the uh, Pip, now we should clarify here. Pip, you're a one string man. You're a Diddly Bow champion, aren't you? Oh, I don't know about champion, but I'm certainly a, uh, an enthusiast and a, um, an ambassador. How's that sound? I like that. That's a yeah, nice term. Mate, there isn't too many um, Australian blues performers that get to play at ground zero, mate. That's mighty impressive. Yeah, well, that's right, mate. <laughs> now, I, I, managed to talk, I managed to talk my way into that. So. Well, I suppose what we should do, the, the reason we're here today, really, and, and the reason we're chatting here today is actually, Pip, now you've just come back from... Uh, an amazing adventure. Um, a little couple of months ago, when I was talking to Shane, Shane was kind of preempting, uh, giving us a little bit of a wind up because I think it was probably only about a week before you were scheduled to leave for the states. Now, um, I suppose, do you want to? If you, I'm going to shut up for a while, and if you, if you want to, if you want, you want to start at the beginning and just let us know how um, how this trip eventuated and what the trip was actually about, mate. Yeah, all right. Well, um, I guess to really explain it, um, I've got to go back to the very beginning. Um, I started playing, trying to play a lap steel guitar a while back. Um, and I would strap a slide and a pick and all the rest of it to my hands. Um, for the listeners out there, um, I uh, had a motorbike accident uh, 23 years ago and I'm a quadriplegic. Um, so I have no finger movement whatsoever. Um, anyway, long story short, um, I wasn't really getting too far with the lap steel and get pretty frustrated with it, but I had awakened to real, uh, a real love of blues music and a desire to, to want to be involved in some way, uh, ideally playing. Um, you know, I, we all, you know... When we're teenagers, we all dream about playing guitar, but I never had the patience to learn. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to master something there and then, otherwise I had no time for it. Uh, these days, I have a fair bit of time up my sleeve. Anyway, I was lying in bed one night, and I uh, I had this cigar box guitar that I'd bought as a memento, and I thought, I, I want to keep playing. How am I going to do this? And then out of nowhere, I just thought, why don't I try it as a diddly bow? And so the next day I took three of the strings off and grabbed a screwdriver and started uh, playing. And, and that was it. And then from there, the desire just to get better, but really, um, you know, dig deep into the history and, and also how to play. Um, and I needed a project. So I thought, wouldn't it be a cool idea if I could get over to Mississippi and... Um, you know, take the guitar with me and see whether I can learn a thing or two, basically. And that, uh, sorry, I'm losing my voice. That uh, leads me to to meet Shane, actually. Um, Shane, Shane, I remember I wheeled into the shop one day and told him I could play a uh, Timmy Bowen. Pardon me. Um, I think he sort of thought I had a nice mate. Um, and then I showed up the next week with my guitar and I played a couple of tracks for him and uh, I think you could see, not necessarily that I could play it very well, but that I had the desire and the passion. And um, Shane can probably tell you the rest of the story while I get my voice back. Absolutely, mate. Shane, do you want to keep going while Pip uh, has a bit of a drink? As Pip and I were talking, he... Um... You obviously had a great passion and love for blues music and uh, 
he sat next to me and, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to go to Clarkstown, Mississippi one day and um, learn a lot more about the blues. And uh, the next time he come back to see me, he said, right, I'm going to bust my way to Mississippi. I'm going to get myself there. And uh, a good friend of mine is a great documentary maker, so we're going to make a documentary of the whole journey from basically Namurka to Clarkstown, Mississippi. And... Um, Last year's festival, that a uh, cigar box festival, was all about Pip and uh, raising the funds, whatever funds we could to uh, help assist him get there. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah sorry, I've I've, uh, I've wet the whistle, so I should be able to keep going. Um, yeah, cool. um, Shane was just talking about the documentary maker. Um, a friend of mine I went to school with, Ryan Coonan, uh, since. Um, leaving school obviously and having a family and all that he's become a, a bit of a film buff um now where we're at as far as the film goes at the moment um yeah that's that's really up in the air at the moment but what it what it did was it gave me the um impetus to sort of dig into this project and have something to talk about um and it was really the day that I had a chat to Shane about it. it was the, actually the I think it was actually the day I decided because I could see that uh, I thought I'll try when I have an idea for something like this I like to throw it around and just see what people's reactions are um, and it was Shane's reaction um, you know he seemed really interested and, and encouraged it and that was really where I went right I, this is this is the thing and I sort of declared I was going to do it, and then once I uh, once I sort of declared it, and um, the local newspaper here caught onto it, I was kind of committed then, and I had to uh, had to go through with it. So here we are. So you headed over. So you headed over to the states, and now yeah. where and. Now you were talking about you were talking about busking. So did, when you went when you went there, did you go? You had a what was the adventure when you got there? Because I, I have looked on on your Facebook page, and you've got quite a few videos. You've got you've obviously you've stopped at you've stopped at various places. Uh, where were some of the places that you stopped on your on your journey? Yeah, right. So I spent eighteen months busking to raise the money, plus obviously crowdfunding and local support, and then so the first stop was uh, Memphis, obviously. Um, that, that's pretty much the port of call as far as getting as close to Mississippi as you can by plane. Yep. Uh, and then, so, you know, Memphis doesn't need much explaining, I think. Um, you know, obviously the, the home of Elvis and all the rest of it, Beale Street, um, which is all really interesting stuff. I went to uh, some studio in Memphis, which is incredible. Um, Stacks, um, you know, all those sorts of places where BB uh, King used to hang out on the corner of what they now call BB uh, King Boulevard and Beale Street. Um, I think it was Third Avenue or something like that. Um, so, and that was really exciting, but the, the real guts of it for me was going to Mississippi. So, uh, after a few days of that, we went down to Clarksdale. Um, all roads seem to lead to Clarksdale when you're a blues um, traveller, I guess. Um, Clarksdale is where the, the supposed crossroads are located that uh, Robert Johnson and later um, Eric Clapton sung about. Um, you know, go to the crossroads, um, bent down on one knee, that sort of thing. Um, and so... Whilst I didn't go to the crossroads at midnight, I was definitely prepared to sell my soul while I was there to sort of come back with, with the skills. Um, yeah, so we spent a, a few days there and there was a festival on while I was there called Goat Fest. Um, and I got to see uh, Cedric Burnside and Lightning Malcolm, um, a bunch of other guys, oh, the, the Kimbo brothers, which are all... Uh, the, the sons of the great Junior Kimbrough. Uh, and then on the, yeah, on the Sunday uh, of that festival, unbeknownst to me, um, I'd been in touch with 
the organiser of Goat Fest. Uh, his name's Todd Laney. And a friend of his who is also uh, a friend of the sidekick, if you like, of Mark Caples, uh, Todd Roth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty funny thing. It was a Sunday afternoon. We were all feeling a bit dusty. And I was just about ready to go home. And uh, this guy gets up on the stage holding a cigar box diddly bow. And I thought, oh, that looks all right. <laughs> and I got, over, I got over closer to have a look at it. And I was going to say to him, um, when you're finished up there, can I, can I have a go? Anyway, long story short, he started talking about me to the crowd and he, they'd cooked up this little thing where they'd actually built it and presented it to me uh, in front of everyone on that afternoon. Um, yeah, so that was really exciting. That was one of the highlights of the whole trip. What an amazing experience. Yeah, so I've been banging away on that diddly bow fair bit just lately and uh, it, they, they also gifted me a, a copper slide that um, is made out of a deer antler um, so yeah it's a fairly unique looking thing, it looks a bit like a shiv yeah. so um, I saw it on yeah, deer horns. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw it on the. Um, I saw it on Facebook then, and, and and that's actually. It's also. It's 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 large enough. It's something you can manage with your hands, isn't it? Yeah. So I sort of. He, he, Todd had watched a lot of videos of how I play, and he um he he sort of got up real close and paused it to try and figure out how I hold the screwdriver because uh, he felt that a proper slide would get a better tone. Mm. Uh, and as it turns out, he's done a great job. But. The um, deer antler fits in perfect, um, and it sounds really good. And um, pardon me. The only thing I've got to remember is when I when I stop playing with them, I tend to always grab things with my teeth and grabbing the end of the deer antler with your teeth. It's not sticking it in your mouth. Not the nicest thing to do. So <laughs> I've got to remind me, remind myself not to do it. So was it the taste or what? <laughs> It's got a nice sort of marrow smell about it. <laughs> you might have to give it a spray. You might have to give it a spray with something. <laughs> Put a bit of poly, dip it in poly or something like that. And then just just while I'm reeling off, sort of uh, the other main experience I had while I was there was um, was what Shane talked about playing at Grand Zero. Um, I signed up to a what they call Pine Top Perkins Work Foundation workshop. And that was a guitar workshop that was um, curated, if you like, by uh, Bob Margolin from uh, the Muddy Waters band. He played with Muddy Waters in the 70s. Um, so, and that was out at uh, the Hobson Commissary. So I got to join in with a bunch of uh, probably 20-odd others that had all signed up to it. Um, and we did guitar workshops and then as as the finale, we all got to perform on the main stage at Ground Zero, which is the uh, juke joint that's partly owned by Morgan Freeman. Yeah, so pretty cool. Oh, pretty cool experience. Yeah, I think I think that uh, that that's ringing a bell with me. It's I, I there's a on YouTube. There's a documentary series. Um, for the life of me now, I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to try and find it and put the put the um, put the information up on the podcast. And I I actually think I've seen I think I've seen um, some video uh, some video footage of that of that particular area. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digress. But but please, sorry, mate. Please continue. Yeah, that's all right. Um, oh, look, if anyone who doesn't know about it um, wants to just Google Grand Zero Clarksdale, Mississippi. Um, yeah, they'll find it pretty quickly, and it, it's a really cool place. It's an old um, cotton gin that's been turned into a bar slash restaurant sort of thing, and everyone's encouraged to write their name on it with a texture. And, um, but it, it's one of just many um, establishments that are popping up in Clarksdale, um, and people go there, people travel there from all over the world, um, yeah, everyone you meet says, "Oh, we, you sound like you're from Australia." Oh, yeah, we had we had a couple here from Australia. Actually, I met an Australian guy while I was there, who 
Um, we actually have a mutual friend, believe it or not. So <laughs> it's a small well, world. It was pretty oh, cool, Pip. That, uh, Fiona was in town when you were there. Yeah, and that. Yeah, sorry, I, I left that out. Um, yeah, Fiona Boys was passing through town while I was there, and we got to hang out a bit. Um, so that was really cool. She and uh, her husband, the preacher, he's a bit of a character. Um, no, isn't he? Yeah, and, and Fiona's actually been asked to go back and uh, run the workshop there next year, so that's pretty cool. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a silly kind of question. I mean, it's taken how long did it take all up to to kind of? It was a year and a half, wasn't it? Worth of worth of hard graft to kind of raise the funds to you know to do this great adventure. Um, yeah. You know, it's is is this something that 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 you think you might you might try try and do again one day? Oh, absolutely. Um, it. Uh, yeah, everyone. Everyone who lives in Clarksdale, they all know that. They all know that once you come back, once you've been there, um, I think they all pretty know you've, they've got you on the hook. Yeah. And and especially when I spent, like I spent a month there all up, and they all just said, you know, we'll see you next time, because <laughs> uh, it it really, it really is a special place. Um, it's. Not much to look at when you first go there. If you were just passing by, uh, you'd, you'd keep driving. You'd, you'd lock the, you'd lock your car doors and you'd keep driving. Yep. Um, but knowing knowing what it, you know, what was there, it, um, and you do. When I first drove back into town, I thought, God, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> but it doesn't take long, and you really get to the heart of a place and. Uh, and good people. You know, yeah, the people and. I spent a bit of time going around because they've 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 got all these uh, blues markers everywhere. Yeah. And you know, when you start um, puttering around looking at all these things, like we drove out to the house that Muddy Waters lived in, right when he was, you know, just before he headed off to Chicago. Yeah. And you you walk along the same spot where Ike Turner was living um, when he, you know, when they first recorded Rocket Eighty Eight. Yeah. The hospital where Bessie Smith died, and you know, just all these people that have um, greatly influenced. Yeah, well, you're walking um, in. You're walking in the footsteps of the past, aren't you? Really, you know, so to say. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, and it's, it's just amazing because it's such a, uh, you know, it's not an easy place. It's hot. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's economically depressed. Mm. Um, so you know. Um, whether that's what creates, create, help created this thing, you know, uh, called the blues. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you'll certainly write a blues song if you go and stay there because it's fun for a couple of days and then, um, you know, it can be hard. It can be hard going, especially in a wheelchair. <laughs> understandable. Absolutely. Understandable, <laughs> you know. Um, a question I want to ask you, I suppose, it's there's a lot of... Um, there's been a lot of talk lately on social media specifically. And I I was really thinking to myself lately, I thought if there's one bloke that's going to know, who's going to know maybe got, who maybe has an answer for this, I thought it might actually be you. Uh, one of the things that's been going around Facebook at the moment is this, this news articles by these, these papers, especially in the States, that are saying, you know, the electric guitar or the guitar is dead. And... You know, it's 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 obviously some sort of you know it's a media beat up and it's 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 selling newspapers and doing all that sort of stuff. But the the real question is like obviously Shane from your from your point of view, it's in Australia. It's it, it you must feel it's very very much alive. The you know blues music, guitar based music, if you will, you know even bringing in things like harmonicas and keyboards, the Hammond organs and all that sort of stuff. I mean you. You must, I mean, obviously to have your own business. And let's let's make it very clear that Shane has, I, I would believe, the only um, the only Blues and Roots instrument store in Australia. Isn't that right, Shane? Yeah, I've been told I've got the only um, cigar box guitar shop in Australia. Um and the only other shop in the world is over in Paris. Mm. 
Um, so you've got a pretty good perspective. I think there are more people out there playing guitar today than they 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 just don't have any idea. You know. Yeah. Uh, the media. I'm really surprised the media has not caught on to the culture of cigar box guitars. Mm. Uh, you know, I started, like I said, there were six of us. Well, there's probably over three or 4,000 Australian builders now, and every day someone else new is learning. When you look at the forum pages, yeah. uh, there's two or three people a day that are getting on board. Well, this is a massive culture across the world. I mean, you must be feeling uh, it. And for you know, you've got people buying and playing the instruments. Um, Guitar-based music has never been more popular. That's right. I mean, and to have a store, be able to actually run run a, a you know a functioning business. And I mean, you'd know from ground zero, because you, you you I would I would expect that you would have walk-in trade because I mean you 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 would have been building it you over the last what six, uh, six or seven years you've had the shop. Yeah, six years now, and yeah. what I have is a very basic stock uh, a, a large variety of stock that appeals to tourists to hook them in yeah um, all simply very traditional instruments and then I, I have a range I go up to the you know twin pickup four string thing so I, yep. I take it from the real grassroots uh, one stringers through to grassroots three stringers mm. and then up to the more technical now for those people um, sorry Shane I'll just, I'm just going to um, interject for two seconds um, for those people who are actually interested in, in having a look at what Shane does Shane actually has got a very very good and quite active Instagram account so look up Shane Soul S-H-A-Y-N-E S-O-A-L-L um Get on there and have a little look. And the other thing, you've also got you've also got shots of the shop and things like that as well. In uh, through the if people can go back and th- look through the photos, you, people can actually see the store, can't they? Yes, definitely. Look, um, if you get into the photo section on on my shop, you'll probably find three hundred plus guitars. Mm. You know, uh, the photos going back years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the interesting thing, though, Shane, as well, is that it's not just builders. I mean, the majority of the majority of people that you know that, that from my point of view, that I sell to are you know are people who you've either got players who've played traditional guitars, you know, or not traditional. I'm going to re- stop using that term. Um, who use, I suppose, standard six-string guitars, and they want something a little bit different, or it's people who are interested in learning the guitar. But maybe have just have discovered them and realised, well, you know, these, they're three or four strings and they're open tuning. I theoretically, I could be playing this thing by the end of the afternoon with absolutely no prior, you know, no prior learning. Um, they're a very That's accessible instrument. That is the beauty of them. Uh, you, your beginner can be getting a tune out by the end of the day. You know, and that's uh, why this year I really want to have workshops for beginners to get them, get them up and running with the pros. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I sell a lot to just people who have never seen the instrument before. But now I get a lot of people, guitarists, who will travel over from uh, down from Newcastle or Brisbane to specifically buy what they, you know, experience the shop and... Mm. Um, all the range of instruments we've got. Yeah. I, I now, as you know, I stock Pat's guitars from Perth. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, next Pat's, week, uh, I'll Pro- be... Proctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next week, I'll be talking uh, Pat, um, Steve Plater from uh, Ballarat from Salty Dog's guitars. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> I know Salty Dog. So, some brain, you know, of instruments of not just what I build, but what. Uh, other builders are doing as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if anything, you know, it's uh, from my point of view, it's uh, I, I, I honestly strongly believe that this, you know, this industry, it's if it's supported the right way, uh, you know, and there's people like you, you know, and there need to be more people. Um, I'm doing the best I can with this podcast, trying to just trying to get the the name and. Uh, you know, builders out there. There's the name of people out there, but you know, I think it's important that you know we do go out and we do try and support these events. Um, for me, from my point of view, I wish. Sorry. Better than sitting there talking about pickups and stuff with a whole heap of like-minded mates, you know. Yeah. And 
that's what I found happened at the uh, the Bendigo Cigar Box Guitar Festival. There was a, a heap of builders, a heap of players, and, you know, you all got to sit around and talk, pick up some drink beer. I couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> talk and shop and drink and beer, mate. That's what we need to do. That's exactly right. Pip, I have a question for you, mate. Um, being, a, being a player, uh, predominantly a player, um, the diddly, diddly yeah, boat... Do you mean a player or a, just a player? Well, a player and a diddly bow player. Bit of both. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> now, I'm curious as to the, the instrument that you've got, the instruments that you've got, do you prefer piezo pickups or piezo pickups, however we pronounce the damn things, or, ele- or standard electric guitar pickups? Uh, definitely uh, the magnetic uh, electric guitar pickups for me. Yep. Uh, I haven't had much luck uh, with pizos. As soon as you get them, as soon as you want to get a little bit of volume, um, yeah, I've found that they just tend to feed back. And especially in an environment where you want to play with other people, yep, uh, and you're all uh, you're all elbowing each other for a bit of uh, you know for a bit of a, a spotlight, yep. Um, you know, like the, the feedback even off someone else's amplifier and guitar going, you know. It, it all just gets too out of control. Uh-huh. Absolutely, because it's picking up. Because the PZO picks up the vibration of the box, and if the if the box is picking up vibrations from an amplifier in front, I suppose that's that's going to cause all sorts of all sorts of havoc. <laughs> yeah, and I also find uh, because of the way I play, um, uh, you know, because they, they pick up any other noise that that occurs because of the vibration. Yeah. Um, you know, I might I, I wear like. Um, gloves that I push my wheelchair with yep. um, and you know, they might hit against the box and you end up with all sorts of extraneous noises I guess is the word um, yep. that, that's just my preference um, I'm sure some people can, can get away with it but not me yeah. um, I, I think... and, and, if, yep. and if the pickup is decent um, you know you can range anywhere from a nice clean tone to you know to cranking it up through a pedal, so I think they're just a lot more versatile. Yeah, absolutely. Finishing off, mate, I'm just curious... Sorry, Shay. I use as a rule of thumb in the shop, Adam, um, with the piezo versions, I prefer to sell them to people who are just playing at home for themselves. Yeah. Um, they work perfectly, but... The moment you look at someone who wants to play it on stage, you've really got to rock them over to magnetic pickups to um, to get that better, sharper sound and avoid all that feedback yep. issues. Yeah. Uh, the only reason we build stuff with pickups is for professional players. Yeah. Really. Well, that's that's the thing. Now, I've spoken to a few builders around. I've got to got to admit, um, John Nickel, uh, for, who's one, and the other one a couple of weeks ago, I managed to have a chat with um, uh, Mike Snowden, and both of those guys predominantly use uh, piezo pickups, you know, the piezo pickups. And since chatting with them, I've kind of changed. I've changed the way I've I've actually in, I actually install them. Um, it's a little bit of a hybrid now between what the, what they were doing and a little bit a little bit of what I do, and uh, I've actually found that 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 by utilising a volume and a tone, I've actually been able to been able to rein rein the guitar in. But I think you're absolutely right. If you're going to be if you're going to try and plug it into a Marshall stack or you're going to plug it into something rather large, and as Pip as you were saying, if you're playing with a group of other people where there is a lot of ambient noise and a lot of vibration through the air up on a stage. Um, definitely take that point into account for those builders out there if you're deciding whether or not to do a, um, a, a you know, magnetic pickup instrument or a piezo pickup instrument. It's, uh, it's definitely worthwhile keeping in mind, as Pip said, where are you going, where are you planning to actually uh, to use it? Pip, I just wanted to get back to the, um, get back to the trip. Now, the trip's over, the trip's done. You've got fantastic memories. Obviously, you've got um, you've got you've probably got a heap of video footage and a heap of a heap of things to go through. Um, what's the next step now in relation to getting the documentary made? Are you are you able to 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 kind of give us a bit of an idea of of what your next step is? Oh, look, it's a good question. I've been asking it the same question myself um, for the six weeks since I've been back. Um, the, the the point. But the answer to that 
it really is. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, Ryan, you know, um, the reason the documentary idea came about was because my friend Ryan is a filmmaker. Um, and so in the end, he wasn't able to come on the trip. Um, but it's still very much alive. It's just going to take a lot longer than, than we originally envisaged. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is, and it's completely out of my hands, is that uh, Ryan has been waiting on a, to get the green light for a movie for about two years now. Um, and they've had him in the starting blocks pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and it still just is yet to actually get the, you know, they're yet to pull the trigger on it. Um, yeah. So what that means for Ryan is um, he's had no holidays from his work in that two years. Um, you know, he can't afford to take any time off. Yeah, yeah. He's trying. So that's really where I'm at. And um, it's, it's pretty frustrating um, mm. because, you know, there's this there's this concept that sitting on the table with that's partly done, um, you know, and it got a lot of great support. Um, so, you know, it's not something I can just say, oh, well, that's not going to happen. Um it is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Of when it can happen. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really the best answer I can give you at the moment. Um, so when you, know, you when you went, sorry, mate, when, Pip, when you went over there, um, did you go over by yourself or you, were, were you with someone else? No, I had a, I had a, a care, I actually had two carers come. Yep. Um, so one of the carers only came for sort of the first week, um, because, yeah, travelling with all the equipment and stuff I take is pretty hard going. Yep. Uh, so it was actually... My mum actually footed the footed the airfare for the second carrier to fly over because, uh, you know, it all just adds up too much expense. Understandable. Um, and then I actually had a few... I actually had three high school mates that decided to come along and spend a week with me. Um, so that was really cool. Oh. Um that was one of the things where I'd booked the trip in and told them I was going and then out of the blue they said shit <laughs> and we come along just for a bit of a we all turned 40 um, this year so yep. they said do you mind if we tag along for a bit of it and I said oh fine you know as long as you can find your own way there and uh, <laughs> this is where I'm going to be on this date and they met me in Memphis and uh, we spent about a week uh, well they spent about a week following me around so that was pretty cool. Bloody brilliant, mate. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, mate, it's... Um, yeah, you're right. Just if, just if I can quickly go back to um, what you were talking about with guitars earlier. Um, I've got two two sort of things I'd like to add to that discussion. Um, the first one is in respect to a conventional six-string guitar. Um the real, uh, the real exciting thing for me was when I first stumbled across Cigar Box Nation. This was around about the time I was trying to play um, the lap steel, and of course, it's the beauty of the internet, which I've heard, I've heard you sing the praises of the internet before. Yeah. Um, when I stumbled on Cigar Box Nation and started flicking through it, I started seeing all these, discovering all these possibilities. Um, and it was C6D, which, but then it led me to just the concept of a three-string um, cigar box. And, of course, my first reaction was, oh, you can do that? What? Um, and so that was what really um, fired me up in that sense, and I think that's possibly the same reaction Shane would get when people come into his shop. They go, well, hang on, how does a... How can you play with three strings? Um, and then if you've got the time to explain to someone, you can say, well, you know, it's actually amazing what you can do with one string. Um, and that's what I try to demonstrate when I'm busking in the street. Yep. Uh, you know, people go, geez, that's incredible, you know, one string. Do you, um, do you use any effects when you play? <laughs> uh, I do when I'm mucking around at home, but no, I tend to just run a clean fairly clean with a little bit of overdrive just to sort of, oh, and a bit of, uh, bit of reverb because yep. 
that's where I'm at at the moment anyway. Yeah. Um, Have you got a cube? Are you using a cube amp or what, what kind of amp are you using? Yeah, I've got a, a street cube. Yeah. Um, batteries, so... And that's the bigger oh, one, yeah. isn't it? That's, that's the larger one. That's the twin speaker job? Yeah, so you can plug a, a microphone into it as well. Yep. Yeah, so that's really good. Uh, the second point I just want to make was about this, the electric guitar dying. Um, you hear a lot of that. And I actually went to the Melbourne Guitar Show last week. Yep. Because uh, Fiona was going to be there and she actually, she actually hooked me and came up with a couple of parts. So thanks, Fiona. <laughs> um, and I, but I can tell you, when I, I was out at Caulfield Raceway... Yep. And the cigar... Oh, sorry. Yeah. The electric guitar in particular is not dead. There were thousands and thousands of people there. It was actually a nightmare because... I remember thinking to myself, oh, a building full of every guitar that's available in Australia. How cool. And I got there, and it was exactly that, but each guitar had someone trying to melt their face off at the same time. (laughs) If you can imagine, upwards of a couple of hundred people all trying to play like Van Halen at the same time. I just wanted to get out of there. It was awful. Oh, dear. Uh, But funnily enough, the most interesting display I saw was a guy from Sydney, uh, and you'll want to look this up. Um, He's a luthier and goes by the business name of Holy Grail Guitars. Oh, okay. And he had a collection there of stringed instruments dating back hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, wow. from, From the lute... Right through to, oh, you know, like a, a, a Les Paul. Yeah. And it struck me how much, with the lute in particular, how much like a cigar box guitar it looked. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was really interesting, you know, and I think when you, I think even for um, really proficient electric guitarists, yep. especially if you're into the blues, you're always looking back to find the source. Um, and of course, for me now, I've just bought. Um, Bill uh, Yaley, is it? Yes. Uh, I've just bought his book, you know, and I'm halfway through that. Uh, yeah, I had, so a, just, I had a just chat with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, did, I don't know whether you had a chance to go back and listen to the to the podcast, but he's, he's a very interesting bloke. And th- is that the um, the one man's trash book? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, so, so I'm about halfway through that, and 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 just it's amazing. Um, well, from my from my own personal experience, as well as playing, um, I'm just desperate to know where. Like, I want to know where the first, you know, the first time anyone ever struck a bow with a string on it and went, "Oh, that sounds like music." Yeah. <laughs> so I can see that his book is very much the beginning of a very deep rabbit hole. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, very much so. Well, Shane and Pip, um, Pip, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's uh, it's been absolutely brilliant hearing the story. Um, I know that I'll speak for for the listeners out there. Um, you know, all five of them who are <laughs> who are who honestly, mate. I just I just all fingers crossed, mate, that you're able to get this uh, get the get the story up off the ground. It's um, it would be a, an absolute um, tragedy if we can't we can't hear that story or see the story. Um, certainly, uh, you know, we've all got our fingers crossed for you, mate, and um, and you know, keep fighting the good fight. Keep playing and and um, and you know stay in, stay in touch and hopefully we'll be able to chat again uh, sometime in the near future with some good news. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on and uh, I'll see you soon, Shaney boy. Yeah, no worries, my friend. Listen, we uh, got a lot of interest in the Pip Cowan All Stars playing uh, at this year's Cigar Box Guitar Festival again, my friend. Yeah, well you can count me in, so. All right. I have your. Uh, I've just got the poster happening today, and the the last act is the Pit Cow and All Stars. Yeah, top billing, brother. Uh, yeah, mate, yeah. That's, uh, what happens? Uh, what happened last year, and what what I've spoken to the acts this year about is uh, once the sort of official 
program is over, um, all the acts get up behind Pip and uh, Pip's the main man out front on his um, one string and uh, all the acts are behind supporting him. So it's just one massive jam with all the musos from the day. Bloody brilliant, mate. Uh, last year was an jam. Now, Shane, just, just before we, 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 um, we sign off, mate, can you give us all the details again of, of where the event is, when the event is, and, uh, and where we can find you, mate? All right, look, uh, most details, head over to the shop Facebook page. That's the Oz Blues and Reach Music Store. The festival is on the 25th, Saturday the 25th of November at the Yakandanda Hotel. And the day should get underway around uh, 10 o'clock in the morning with the builders' market. So uh, we're inviting as many builders as we can for that and make it a day for builders and players alike. So uh, great afternoon of music. And um, I believe this year we've got a, a cavalcade of stars sort of happening. The local hot rod club are starting buying guitars and... Uh, it looks like all the artists might be turning up in uh, some pretty wild custom cars. That sounds like it's going to be a very, very big weekend, mate. All right, well, thank you, gentlemen. All the best. Uh, I'll be in contact with you again soon, and and, um, and uh, have a great one. Shane, thank you again, and Pip, thank you so no much, mate. Always a pleasure. All right, all the best, guys. See you later. Thanks, mate. Bye. See ya. Well, thanks again to Shane Sol and Pip Cohen for joining us on the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast. Just remember, guys, um, thank you so much for listening in. We have cracked uh, the 3,000 listen uh, target that we were aiming at. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, remember, you are able to, um, I suppose, be a, uh, be a patron for the show if you so wish to. Um, I am looking at updating these, um, these programs that I'm using at the moment, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, look, stay in touch and um, all the best. And thank you for listening to the Seattle Guitar Builder podcast. Bye.